Welcome Cap fam and friends of the Crusader Athletics. If you couldn't tell, today is going to be a little different. I am Assistant Sports Information Director Ray Delgado and we're dialing it back a little bit for this edition of Forward Capital Crusaders. In a golf heavy episode 5, we will talk with the Cap men's and women's head golf coach Andy Garcia about the status of the program, his seniors, and what's to come in the 2020-21 season. Our feature takes a dive into the digital world, fitting for today's environment, right? Sports Information Director Ryan Gasser turns from host to guest and talks to us about Capital Athletics' new partnership with Sidearm Sports and the new website that comes with it, which will launch soon. We'll bring back the action to the hardwood with a trip back to the 80s when we reminisce with Men's Basketball Hall of Famer and now local educator Tom Lanier from the class of 1989. And then we will wrap up the show by checking in and getting to know Men's Golf Senior Chris Durf in our Senior Spotlight. Now, let's go walk the course that is Episode 5 of Forward Capital Crusaders. Welcome into the 5th edition of the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast. Leading off for us today is Head Men's and Women's Golf Coach Andy Garcia. First off, Andy... You know, we're in an interesting time today with social distancing and whatnot. So, you know, how have you been filling your time thus far? You know, what have you been up to? Ray, what's going on, man? Um, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's an interesting time right now. Um, you know, luckily for me, all the golf courses in the state of Ohio have uh, remained open with the exception of a few closures here in Columbus. So, uh, you know, I don't typically get to play a lot of golf in the fall and spring while I'm coaching uh, both of my programs. Having said that, uh, you know, I've been playing a lot of golf these days and um, just, you know, doing work around the house, keeping tabs on all my players, making sure that, uh, you know, they're still uh, working hard in the classroom and, um, you know, really a whole lot of nothing other than that, man. But uh, definitely a lot of golf and uh, keeping tabs on on the boys and girls. That's for sure. That's great. Yeah, I saw you on uh, on Twitter. You were hitting the links quite a bit. So it's uh, I'm sure it's uh, a good time for you. You know, you don't like you said, you don't get to play too much. I'm sure it's nice to be able to keep your game up, make sure your players still know who's the best. Right. Oh, yeah. You got to show them who's boss every now and again. Um, you know, unfortunately, and it's funny because I've I run into some of the boys, um, you know, just on a whim. <laughs> I've run into them at some of the local courses here in Columbus. And, um, you know, great thing about our game is that we really haven't been affected by this. You know, you look at some of the other sports, you look at basketball, you look at baseball, a lot of the team sports. I mean, you can't really practice social distancing with golf. You know, we're lucky enough where we're not ever within six feet of one another, just because, I mean, we're swinging a golf club over a hundred miles an hour. Right. So, you know, we've, we're really lucky in that aspect that, you know, we could still, um, you know, speaking for myself, at least, you know, I could still keep my game sharp and, uh, you know, still able to see my friends um, to a certain extent when, you know, when we meet up on the links um, and, you know, seeing some of my boys at the, at the course, um, you know, that's awesome just because this is such a hard time for them. I think we we tend to forget that just because we're looking at, you know, how bad it really is in our country right now, really across the world. But uh, to see that, you know, they're still, you know, being able to see their friends, especially the seniors, um, they're still being able to do something that they love as well as still getting their education. Um, you know, it kind of puts things in perspective and, you know, you, you're happy that they at least, you know, get to have some sense of normalcy here. Um, you know, big thing is, you know, you see, you know, and, and my heart breaks for all of these kids, you know, baseball players, softball, you know, it's done for them, you know, 
we're lucky enough that in our sport, you know, you can continue playing for the rest of your life and really seeing the social aspect of this. Um, even with the social distancing measures that are in place, you love to see that everybody's still out there and, and enjoying themselves. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Golf is one of those things that really is basically the only thing that hasn't really been affected in this. Uh, aside from, you know, not being able to play, you know, actually for your university. So, you know, with that, um, with everyone, all your players being at home, aside from, you know, seeing them here and there on the golf course, you know, what, what do your coaching duties look like right now? You know, Ray, right now we're in an interesting place. Um, I am slowly starting to, uh, you know, plan next year. Now, there are a lot of uncertainties right now. Um, I think we need to let this thing play its course. So, you know, for me, it's, you know, I'm, I'm in constant contact with, um, you know, a lot of the junior golf tours um, just on a recruiting basis because, you know, whether it be the AJGA, FCWT, um, or, you know, even the Southern Ohio and Northern Ohio junior PGAs, mm -hmm. you know, at some point, I'm going to need to get back out on the road this summer and, and recruit. And right now, you know, as well as the, the Ohio Athletic Association or High School Athletic Association, um, you know, are they going to be playing next fall? Those are really my biggest challenges right now are seeing what the future looks like. And it's too early to tell. Um, you know, a lot of these junior golf tours have put things on hold really through the end of May. However, they're starting to set up tentative dates where you're going to see junior golf. You're going to see high school golf back this summer. And that's really what I'm planning right now. That, that's my coaching duties, to say the least, is, you know, making sure I can get back out recruiting um, as soon as I can. Um, the first tournament that, you know, comes about this summer, I'm there. Because we can't sit here and, you know, really just take a step back throughout this whole process. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we – I still have two programs to run. Um, we still have championships to win and, you know, we're not going to let anything hinder um, our end goals here. So really looking forward uh, to getting back on the road recruiting. Um, as I said, right now, there's not much I'm doing golf wise. Um, if anything, you know, I'm, I'm making sure that, you know, all the kids are still, still going to class, even though they're on zoom. Um, you're staying on top of them with everything that's uh, going on academically and slowly starting to, you know, you're getting invitations to play in tournaments for next year. Um, you know, and as we decide as a league and um, as the NCAA decides how next year is going to look, um, you know, that really uh, will be, in my opinion, that's really when we're going to be able to start, you know, really working on, um, you know, at least next year. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's just, it's a weird time. And, you know, you've got six players that are, that are graduating out of your, your two programs here, three each from the men's and the women's side, you know, this, uh, unfortunately their senior season didn't quite, uh, go as planned. Um, but you know, this, the senior class you've got is a really good one in terms of breaking records and having success. You know, can you talk a little bit about their impact on the program in the last four years? Oh, no doubt. I mean, these kids are special. Um, you know, we've been fortunate enough that we've had some extremely talented individuals um, come through our program here at Capitol. Um, it's either on the men's or women's side. You know, talking about the 
the girls, um, you know, you graduate somebody like Sydney Kelly and we suddenly have big shoes to fill. Um, you know, she broke our individual school record twice. Um, and a senior that graduated last year actually took her down, um, in the final round or the second round of our conference championship. But having said that, I mean, you're losing really somebody that's been in our lineup for the past three years, somebody that we've used her score every round. Um, Mm -hmm. I was kind of blown away by that when I did start crunching the numbers. Um, We didn't use Sydney's score in the first tournament that she started here as a sophomore when she transferred for Columbus state. After that, we used her score in every round and, as a college golf coach, you never see that. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. Kids have bad days. Um, that's just the reality of our, of our, of our sport. Um, kids have bad days. Kids, you know, sometimes you go through injuries. They have the flu. They, she's battled all that. And when I was looking at the numbers, I said, I'm blown away that we use this kid's score every time we teed it up. You just don't see that. So yeah, we're definitely going to miss Sid. Um, you know, having said that, we, we do have a rising senior for next year in Molly Frey. And Molly is where she, what, where she has gone with her game really in the past year has been amazing. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really confident in Molly moving forward. I think she's going to take that leadership role and run with it next year. But, uh, yeah, Sid's going to be a big loss. And then you talk about the two other girls. I mean, Alyssa Greening. Uh, Alyssa was a kid that she was a really good junior golfer. Uh, she came into Capitol, battled some injuries her freshman year, and then had a freak accident and blew out her knee coming into her sophomore year. And she really didn't feel 100% um, in her game, um, let alone physically, until this year. And she cracked our starting lineup. She played great for us all fall, um, you know, and it's really one of the rewarding things as a coach is, you know, when a kid sticks through it, especially at the division three level, when a kid sticks through it and overcomes so much adversity to, to become a starter her senior year, to become, you know, the number three slash number four on our roster and just give us some solid rounds all year. You love to see it. Um, you know, I think we had a little bit of growing pains with Alyssa this year just because she didn't have even as a senior, she just really didn't have a whole lot of experience due to her injuries, her previous three years in college. But having said that, she was awesome for us this year. And, um, you know, she did a great job. I'm really going to miss her. An incredible leader. She's, I think she's going, well, she's going to grad school next year. And um, she's just going to do big things with her life. So it's, it's awesome to see, um, you know, somebody like that overcome so much and, uh, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm really proud to have coached her the past couple of years. And then Carrie, um, Carrie Hogan, that kid was just the ultimate team player. Um, she was always, for four years, she was our number five slash number six. And she moved into a starting role this year. And Carrie was great for us. Um, you know, it's one of those kids that, you know, she doesn't hit the ball that far. She doesn't putt all that well, but you know what you're going to get out of her and that she's going to give 110% every day. The reality is what we're trying to coach and what we're trying to teach these kids here is that you, you can't give up. And for somebody like her, 
She was always the first one to practice, last one to leave. She made it a point to just outwork everybody. And when you have kids like that, you know, it might not work for her game. It might not work the way that she's wired mentally as a golfer. But it's kind of hard for all these other girls, especially the younger ones, to see her, you know, out at Heritage, our home course, in the fall when it's 95 degrees out. And they got to practice a half hour after her and they're leaving a half hour before her you kind of sense that they're like, well, Carrie's still here and she's still getting her work in. That is a great leader, in my opinion, um, because, you know, she might not be the vocal one, but she led by example. And that's something that we're really going to miss here. And it's something that, you know, we're going to have to have an honest conversation about with the rest of the girls about you got to leave it all out there. Um, I'm a big believer in that. Um, you know, everything that I've done in my life, it's I've always gone 110% with. And, you know, I'm, I'm really, really proud of Carrie uh, for these past four years just because she never really made excuses. She just kept banging her head against the wall. She wanted to be good so bad. And when we needed her the most, she always, always rose to the occasion. And um, we're going to miss that, Ray. I'll tell you what, man. It's uh, these kids. It's tough talking about them because you go through so much, especially in a sport like golf where it's such a social, it's such a social game. You get to know them as people, um, you know, you're really going to miss these kids, these seniors, um, on not only on the women's side, but on the men's as well, before I get ready to talk about them, these kids are awesome, man. And they've, uh, they've really represented our institution with a lot of class and I'm definitely going to miss them. That's fantastic. You know, you can, you can really tell that you, that you care about your players and that's a huge thing because you're, you're definitely right. Golf is one of those sports where you really get to know these players because you're walking with them for six hours and oh, you, no doubt, you can't man. help, but not get to know them or at least talk to them a little bit. Yeah, no doubt, man. It's not a knock on any other sport either. I mean, I'm a big, big sports fan here, but you know, it's true. I mean, when you're, when you're stuck in the snow in, in Angola, Indiana, and you're walking down a fairway with a girl and you're hating life as much as she is, but she's still playing. <laughs> It's one of those things where it's just, you know, you kind of look at it and you're like, man, bud, this sucks. Yeah, coach, you're right. It's just those small little interactions uh, about our game make it great. Um, you know, you can really, you know, it's, I find it hard pressed to believe that, you know, coach Rogo would ever, you know, call his, his quarterback over and be like, wow, this, this rain really, this rain isn't that, uh, that good for us today, buddy. So, you know, <laughs> let's try to, let's try to, you know, you know, move the ball here and get out of here. I, I don't think they're having that conversation. But, uh, you know, again, like I said, it's uh, it's one of the beautiful parts about our game. Definitely. Yeah, again, we're here with head coach Andy Garcia, uh, head coach of the men's and women's golf teams. Uh, you know, we heard about your your seniors on the women's side. Let's hear about your your men. Yeah, my men, man, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. Um, you know, uh, the first one, Ryan Zernikowski, it's interesting because Ryan's older brother, Jeff, was my first ever recruit here. And um, it's funny, got the youngest Zernikowski come in next year. So uh, all three of them. get to keep uh, them in the, in the Cap Golf family here. But, you know, Ryan was somebody as a freshman. He didn't really have a whole lot of opportunities here just because we were so deep his freshman year. Um, and then he started a handful of events, you know, the fall of his sophomore year, posted some good consistent scores for us um but really he cracked into the lineup as an individual on our spring break tournament his sophomore year um 
he was an individual and we were playing at a, at a division two event down in, um, in Asheville, North Carolina. And Ryan as an individual went out the first day and, and he pumped an 88 and he was devastated. He was upset with his performance, but then in classic Ryan Zernikowski fashion, the kid's fearless. He goes out, forgets about it, pumps a 71. Wow. That's just something that you really don't see. I mean, that's a, you know, in golf, you play 18 holes and the kid improved by 17 strokes in one round. It's almost a stroke a hole. It's crazy. So as a coach, you start licking your chops there and, you know, you start talking to him a little bit. And, you know, we had some good conversations when we got down to, uh, to Charleston, South Carolina for the, for the second half of our spring break. And Ryan was, you know, somebody that never lost his starting job after that day. You know, I, I reminded him, I'll never forget when, when we were at Wild Dunes, I said, hey, bud, you know, your older brother, Jeff, around ever in college with a 71. And he goes, yeah, you like that? <laughs> it was just awesome to hear. It was just, it was such a competition between the two. Um, but Ryan, you know, he was a kid that he was fearless. Um, and you love coaching kids like that because Ryan, there was never a par five that he wasn't going to try to hit into. There was never a birdie or an eagle putt that he was going to leave short. Ryan put his foot on the gas pedal for 18 holes every time he teed it up. Didn't matter if it was a qualifier, and it didn't matter if it was an OAC championship. He was going all out. You love coaching kids like that because you know he's leaving it all out there. He's not intimidated by the moment. Nothing's too big for him. And he was just going to try to do his best. There's nothing conservative about Ryan's game. And, you know, that could have been a fault at times, but that's exactly what our program needed for the past three years. They needed the guy that on any given day can go out there and shoot the low round of the tournament. And Ryan was that guy for us. Um, Chris Durth came over here from Columbus State, and he was another one where his older brother was on the team when he transferred. Um, he had an older brother, Justin, that was a senior when Chris transferred over as a sophomore. And Chris made an impact here from day one. The thing about Chris is, you know, he really he, – he didn't really crack the starting lineup a whole lot his first year here. But where he instantly made us better were guys like Ryan, guys like his – you know, Chris's uh, older brother, Justin. You never knew what Chris was going to do. He was such a good golfer that in a qualifying situation, people were scared of him. And that really made everybody kind of bear down. And that made everybody better around us. So Chris instantly came in here. And then you fast forward two years, Chris became our number one. And he really just took this opportunity and ran with it. He didn't have the prettiest golf swing. He just outworked everybody, though. Just like Carrie on the women's side, Chris was always the first one there and the last one to leave. Um, he didn't have the prettiest golf swing, but he knew it was his swing. And he knew that people had made careers on the PGA Tour with not the perfect golf swing. So Chris honed his craft, and this year became our number one low stroke average. You got to love it. It's a success story. This kid just came in here. He transferred from Columbus State, and he came in, and uh, he made the most out of his opportunities. And, you know, to really, uh, I'm really sad to see, you know, our season end prematurely because especially this men's team was, was a special group, but um, you know, really for somebody like Chris, because he's overcome so much in his game. Um, 
really to be, you know, stalwart in our lineup and, and in our rock at, at, at the number one. So, you know, wish Chris nothing but the best. He's going to do big things in his life. I think he has still another semester left before he graduates. And uh, you're just going to see that kid kill it. Um, and then Nick Brunsman was just the heart and soul of our team over the past four years. Um, the players elected him as the captain this year. And I'll say this as my this is just finishing up my, my sixth year here on the men's side as the head coach. Uh, Nick was a great captain. He was probably one of the best I've had here. He really was encouraging and just a great mentor for the six freshmen that we had on our program this year. You look at somebody like Nick and, um, you know, he always, when he was called upon, he was always ready and he always gave you 110%. Um, and he was somebody that he just deeply cares about our program and, you know, wanted nothing more than, than for us to win. And, uh, you know, he's definitely a kid that when we do end up winning this OAC championship next year, he's going to be one of the first people I call because I know he's going to be pumped for us. That's awesome. Yeah, you you know, you just talked about all these players. You know, you're, you're losing your your seniors, losing your number one, you know, on the women's side with Sidney Kelly. Uh, you're losing your number one on the men's side with Jim Furyk or Chris Durst um, and, uh, and your <laughs> captain. You know, um, you mentioned on the women's side that uh, Molly Frey is going to, you know, be the, the one to look out for. Um, who is that on the men's side? Man, you can pick any of them on the guy's side. That's how, that's how deep we are. Um, you know, and I, I, I don't like to sound arrogant about the, about either one of my programs, but the boys, um, you know, they're, they're unbelievable. Um, we had six freshmen this year and we got five more coming in next year of the returning players for the men's team. Um, you know, you're going to look at somebody like Luke McCullough, our lone senior on the men's side to really set the example and, and be that leader that we need. Um, and I know Luke's up for the challenge talking about them golf wise. I mean, pick any one of them, Colin Frimmel, Angelo Donato, Vince Dar, Jack Shoemaker, Ben Nash. I mean, these kids are all extremely talented. And then you throw in Shane Murphy, who was thrown in as a, you know, he started every tournament for us this year. Shane was thrown in as the number five, and it was just kind of on a whim for me because um, I didn't qualify for the first event of the year. And Shane kind of struggled his first, you know, really two weeks of practice before we teed it up in a tournament. I just had a gut feeling about the kid because I knew he was a gamer. And then he goes out, he pumped 71 in his first round of college golf ever. And that's what made me realize right there, we have something special with this kid. And if Shane who really struggled his first couple weeks here is throwing up a number like that in his first college tournament, then I feel really good about the rest of them. And they all rose to the occasion um, in one way or another. You know, at one point this year in our conference preview event um, in the fall, I entered both my A and B team. And, you know, my A team, I think we were in fifth or sixth place after round one. Well, heck, my B team... <laughs> They were in second place wow. in the whole conference. And you start looking at it, and as a coach, you start kicking yourself like, Jesus, man, what are you doing here? You got your number six through ten on your roster, damn near winning our conference <laughs> preview event, challenging Otterbein, and your starters are struggling a little bit. But then 
the boys just came back the next day. Um, the starting five really buzzed and Colin ended up getting sick. He couldn't play. So we only went out there with four and, you know, they just really put the hammer down on that second round. Angelo just had two great days. Ryan had a fantastic back nine. Um, you know, he ends up, you know, shooting a 33 on the backside at, at River Greens to come in and you're sitting there like, wow, okay, this might be a decent day before you know it. I mean, the boys ended up finishing third and the B team ended up finishing, I believe, sixth. Well, when you put all the teams in our conference, if you're telling me that, you know, we're that talented where we have two teams, you know, almost in the upper echelon of the conference, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that, um, especially about the future here because that B team was predominantly made up of freshmen. And then our starting five was made up of guys, you know, like I said, we had, you know, two seniors in that starting lineup with three freshmen and it was the fall season. Um, these kids had only had, you know, three college golf tournaments that they'd even played in yet. So I can't really pinpoint one Ray. Um, these kids are, they're dynamite. I'll, I'll say that, but, um, I am just blown away by the progression of guys like Shane Murphy, Colin, Angelo Donato, um, Vince. And I mean, heck, you just really have to talk about them all. Even Jack and Ben, they, they had really bright spots this year. And, um, you know, I can't wait to see what they do. I know they're going to work hard this summer. And, uh, you know, the boys will come back next year with the addition of our freshman class. And uh, look out. That's that's I'm really excited so about it's, them. It's pretty safe to say that the future is very bright for Capital Golf. Oh, yeah, man. I, I you know, I next year I fully anticipate. I mean, I mean, heck, if you just look at our numbers, um, we have 12 guys on our roster. 11 of them are either going to be freshmen or sophomores. And to me, that's something that you get really excited about because, you know, you love you lose last year, arguably the the best player in school history in Logan Holbrook. Um, you lose a guy who was a stalwart in our lineup as well, like Noah Iovino. And it's like, man, those guys are, that's, those are two really, really those big shoes to fill here. But then our seniors this year picked up the slack. And then we got all of these freshmen that came in this year. They have tournament golf experience and that's huge in this game. Um, you know, they're not suddenly, they're not playing, you know, high school golf against, you know, the Hilliards and the Olin Tangies of the world, they're playing against other really good programs. Um, you know, at, there was a time this year in our second event up at, uh, at Plumbrook, you know, we're sitting on the first tee and it's capital Ohio Wesleyan and Wittenberg and Wittenberg was the number one mm -hmm. team in the nation at that time. And they're all 22 year old <laughs> men. And we got 18 year old boys here at the time and we're going shot to shot with them. And that's a really good experience. That's something that, you know, that we're going to, you know, always have and that we're always going to grow from. And then you got Ohio Wesleyan that we're playing with that they were ranked 20th in the country at the time. We just were never scared to play against the best that this country has to offer. And especially as freshmen, they held their own. So I'm, I'm, you're absolutely right, man. It's safe to say that the future is bright here on both sides. And um, I can't wait. I really can't wait to get back to work. <laughs> this is going to be a fun well, that's ride. That's fantastic. Next year. And, uh, with that, you know, we'll, we'll wrap up our, our coach and program check-in with uh, head coach Andy Garcia. Uh, if you want to check out more of what Andy and the golf programs are up to, you know, head over to Twitter. Uh, you can find him at Coach Garcia PGA uh, for some fun updates. You can see him swinging the, 
the golf clubs and, uh, you know, checking in with his players. Uh, Andy, thanks for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate you taking some time out of your day. Stay safe and hit them straight. Awesome, Ray. Appreciate it, man. And uh, you stay healthy and stay safe over there as All well. All right. right. This has been uh, head coach Andy Garcia, and uh, we're moving right along here on the uh, Forward Capital Crusaders podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our feature piece in this edition of Forward Capital Crusaders. And we've got something a little different for you today. Capital Athletics is proud to announce a new partnership with Sidearm Sports to be our new web provider. The new and improved website will debut on Wednesday, April 29th, and the mastermind behind the project, Capital Sports Information Director Ryan Gasser, is here to talk with us about this exciting new development. I'm sure it's been uh, quite a ride and a complex process, Ryan, but off the top, how did this process begin and what was the idea behind it? Well, first, you are way too overly generous and signifying me as a mastermind of any sort, but uh, I'll take the praise where I can get it. <laughs> Um, you know, it, it's one of those things that you, you sign a contract with a website provider for X amount of years, and we had been partners with Presto Sports probably since about 2011, 2012, prior to me even getting here. And they were good partners. Uh, we went and grew a lot through the years that we were partners with Presto. Um, but, you know, we're at the end of a, a contract and we just wanted to reevaluate what we were doing and how we were doing it and try to maybe find ways, you know, we're always looking to try to get better. So uh, once the kind of end of the contract was in sight, uh, we began looking at some of those things that we wanted to do. We began looking at some of the different companies that could provide services that would allow us to do those things and then evaluate uh, perhaps who the top, one to three companies are that would allow us to do it the best and most cost efficient. And at the end of the day, you know, Presto was definitely in the conversation, but sidearm far and away uh, really blew us away with their presentation, with the amount of services that it provides. And I've been a, a sidearm client at previous institutions before, so I'm familiar with their work. Uh, other schools in the OAC are also sidearm clients, so you've probably seen some of their work, whether you knew it or not. And at the end of the day, once the presentations were done, the evaluations were complete, and together as uh, a, a group on campus, um, you know, I kind of spearheaded the decision. But at the end, we decided that sidearm was buying away the the company that we wanted to move forward with. So we negotiated a nice little four-year deal. And so for the next four years, we'll be a, a proud client and partner of Sidearm Sports. That's fantastic. So you kind of touched on it just a little bit, um, but why exactly did you decide to go with Sidearm? You know, what makes them different from the other companies that are out there? Well, like I said, I have a pre-existing relationship with Sidearm. I've been at a couple different schools in which Sidearm was our website provider. And one of those schools was Bowling Green State University, my alma mater. And ironically, when I was a graduate assistant there back in 2009, we were actually migrating from another company into Sidearm. So we've, I've already kind of been through this once before. And what I also know is not only was the migration process pretty seamless, but Bowling Green even today 
is still a sidearm partner and has never wavered. And that was 11 years ago. So uh, it's it's a great company to be a part of and other schools deem it to be so for an extended period of time. So that kind of loyalty and that kind of ongoing customer service and provision of their services is something that I definitely noticed. They've only grown over the course of time. They came out of nowhere back in the late 2000s and they've gone nowhere but up. They have big time clients. A couple of them to just name a few are the University of Alabama, Auburn, Syracuse, uh, I believe Illinois is another. And, and you can go on down the list that there are a lot of big names at the division one level that are partnered with Sidearm. So that to me tells me that they, uh, they're they good enough for the big dogs. They are certainly good enough for a lot of other people, including us. So that was a big thing just to see their track record and their resume is really impressive. And their designers are, are top notch. So you'll see when you go onto the website that uh, their design team took my ideas and they made them a reality. So their designers are very, very good. Their structure is a little bit different. And some would say that it's a lot easier for people like me that are working on the back end of it. So uh, we get to do a lot more. We get to do it a little bit more efficiently. And, you know, once we started talking nuts and bolts, um, they included a few things and, and their price point was just one that we felt really, really good about. And, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of where it all started. I mean, we can go even deeper and I can get a lot nerdier on you, but, um, <laughs> you know, that, that's kind of where it all starts. And, and it just got better uh, the deeper in conversation that we got. So this this whole process has to have just been amazing at how much time and effort it, it took. You know, you've been in communication with Sidearm for months on end, you know, to get this project completed. So from your from your perspective, from your seat, you know, what does it take from a sports information director to make a new website from the ground up? Well, anybody that's built a website before knows that it's, it's a challenge. And there are a lot of things that you need to take into consideration before you even start putting things on paper or on a screen. And one of those things was, you know, what are our priorities? And my number one priority was thinking mobile first. Uh, I, I know that Many more people are viewing our website from either uh, an iPhone, an Android device, an iPad, uh, and not your traditional desktop or even a laptop anymore. So that was our, our first priority was to make sure that this is mobile friendly and to make sure that you could navigate it very, very easily from that device, whatever it might be. So that's been when the design phase begins and you start researching what you want your site to look like. What are the hot trends in the industry? You know, what other schools are doing something right or have a very attractive website that, and, and then implementing your own different ideas into all of that. So, you know, for me, I took a lot of ideas from a lot of different schools and in our industry, that's a source of flattery, not, uh, not thievery. So uh, I looked at a lot of different sites and I picked like three or four that I really, really liked, not just to navigate through, but some of their ideas that maybe we don't even do quite just yet. So I kind of cut and pasted or I drew out uh, some of the things that were in my mind. And then the communication piece starts. Once you come into an agreement and principle with Sidearm, they take your ideas and they take a lot of other important information that they need to start building a website, whether it's color schemes or assets and whatnot. And they start putting together 
what they think is in between my ears. And they did a really nice job of that. And then it's kind of like proofreading a report or the paper you're about to turn in and you go back and forth with editing. And, you know, I like this idea, but not so much that idea and fine tuning things until you get to a point where either the developer gets really tired of you or you come into an agreement that, that yes, this is where we want to land. And um, fortunately, it didn't take very long for us to land in a very um, agreeable place and then start moving forward with all the data transfer. And you would think that that takes a lot longer than it actually does, but it's a really quick process. And you do that twice just to make sure that you cover as much ground as you can. And then I start filling in the gaps and you just connect all the links that are broken and you bridge some of those gaps that, you know, happen naturally in a migration. And, uh, you know, at the very end of it, you just hope that you've covered as much ground as you can before launch date. Again, we're here with uh, Capital Sports Information Director Ryan Gasser uh, talking about our new uh, partnership with Sidearm Sports and the new website that will make its debut on Wednesday, April 29th. Um, you know, we, I would say for myself, we appreciate the hard work that you've, that you've put in to, to see this thing through. Um, for a fan's perspective, I guess, you know, what are some of the new things that people can look out for when the new site launches? Well, first and foremost, you know, what we're doing with this site and the amount of time that we've put into this couldn't be possible unless it was for people like you, Ray, who assist me on the day to day and, and make sure that, you know, all the other ideas that we have are getting off the ground and getting completed so that I can have that time. So first, thank you for, for everything that you've done to make the time available for me to do what I'm doing. Um, you know, the, the, the features that I think that you'll see, the first is that it's going to look different. It's going to look much different than any website that we've ever had before uh, in terms of better using our photography and making the visuals much more appealing. There's going to be a lot of color. There's going to be larger icons so that you can get a little bit better of a view of things before you actually click on them. And what we're hoping to do is utilize that photography and bring a few more things out to the forefront so you're not clicking around. Things are going to be a little bit more, I, I hope, a little bit more well-organized. So again, you're not going to be clicking around searching for things or tapping and swiping for things. And there will be a few more features or just uh, things that we feel are top priority that will be front and center. Things like how to become a crusader. Things like the schedule, it's going to be right up there, front and center. You're not going to have to dig for it, and you'll see what's going on in Capital Athletics and all the links that you'll need to be able to follow it and get all the details that you need. So those will be the first things up front that you'll see. Maybe some things that once we get deeper into the season, you'll see live stats will be completely revamped. We are integrating all of our live stats efforts into the sidearm live stats system. So there will be consistency across the board for the sports that we do offer live stats for. And with those, you'll see a few more numbers and analytics that get brought into the equation, utilizing the numbers that we generate uh, and putting them out front. So if you're not able to watch the web stream, you'll be able to maybe take a little bit of a deeper dive as to what's happening in the game numbers wise. Um, the hope is that we will bring out our social media a little bit more front and center as well and connect you guys with our teams and their social media accounts much more easily. 
you know, those are some of the big ones. And I'm sure that I'm missing a few more. But between the organization, the look and the live stats, those will be the big ones. But there are also other things that we're hoping to work on over the course of time, which include enhancing our online Hall of Fame and All-American sections. Uh, we're hoping to make that look a little bit more sexy. And, you know, there are other, other smaller sections that will just get a major upgrade um, as we dig deeper into this project. Oh, you laid, laid it out pretty nice there for us. It sounds like we've got a, a lot of new stuff coming our yeah, way. And, yeah, the, so, and the good thing is that you won't have to go anywhere different. Uh, the URL will remain unchanged, athletics.capital.edu. That's not going anywhere. So you don't have to change that bookmark. The only difference will be, and this is just normal for a migration to a new company, is that the subdomains uh, for different sports and the specific URLs for specific stories might change a little bit. So if you saved that story for one of your favorite athletes or a moment in time, that URL might not be the same, but it will be on the website, just a, a little bit different of a title. That is good to know. So if we've got anything that we've got saved from in our own archives, we can just kind of run back through the website real quick and update that link. So for, for you personally, we kind of talked about, you know, the things from the fan perspective. Uh, but for you personally, without getting too technical, for those of us who don't do this kind of thing every day, uh, what's the one thing that you are looking forward to most with this new par partnership with Sidearm? You know, I think that the biggest advantage that often gets overlooked is that you have to remember that Sidearm has a lot of big name clients. And the immediate reaction usually is, well, if they're dealing with the, uh, the Alabamas and the Auburns and the Syracuse, how do they ever have time for, you know, people that are in the NAIA, JUCO and Division Three? And that's not true at all. Sidearm has an incredible staff in which they make everybody feel like they're the big dog, that they are the priority. And that I really look forward to as far as the, the terrific customer service that, you know, hopefully there's not going to be any problems. But if there are, you know, we can address those really, really quickly. And we're not going to get, you know, sideswiped and leapfrogged by the Division One schools. We're all in the same playing field for the most part. And the good thing about having partners that are at the Division One level is that these schools, the uh, Auburns, the Illinois, they have specific marketing departments that have time and resources to generate these ideas that when they come to Sidearm and say, hey, can we do this? Sidearm is usually saying, yes, give us some time and we'll make it happen. And then the trickle down effect is that, you know, Auburn, Alabama, Syracuse, Illinois ideas all get made available to us. You know, there aren't just division one ideas and low school division ideas. Uh, everybody gets to play on the same field. And I think that that is incredibly important so that when advancements happen, whether they're our ideas or somebody else's, we get the benefit of that. And, and that is something that I'm going to value very, very much in this partnership going forward. Well, that, that sounds fantastic that, you know, you really don't feel like you're one of the lesser clients because you're not. And that's that's a really great thing that I think, you know, those of us that work at the Division three level or NAIA or anything like that, you know, you definitely get that sense sometimes. So I'm sure that'll be that'll be nice to know that that is not the case when the, we, we switch. Yeah, on and you'll see it, too. As time goes on and as we get closer to game days, whenever those may be, 
you know, you will see things that you may not have seen before. And so when our athletes and our coaches, uh, you know, when I'm making those incredibly weird asks throughout the course of the season and, and try to get them to do things that they wouldn't normally do, whether they're like photos or videos and things like that, at some point in time, <laughs> they're going to come back and they're going to understand why <laughs> they did those things, you know, because hopefully we'll be utilizing those resources a little bit more efficiently and making it look a lot better so that, uh, you know, everybody on the outside is seeing the best of CAP athletics. That's great. Well, we're here with Capital Sports Information Director, Ryan Gasser. You know, Ryan, thanks for taking some time out of your day to talk with us about the new website. Uh, again, that will um, debut on Wednesday, April 29th. And we look forward to seeing your hard well, work. Thank you very much, Ray. Thank you for everything that you do. And thank you to everybody that supports Cap Athletics. Be sure to check out the website, athletics.capital.edu, and follow us on all our social media. It's going uh, to be a wild year, but it's going to be a fun one. All right. We have more content coming your way after this short break. Stay with us on Forward Capital Crusaders. We're making the turn in this edition of Forward Capital Crusaders. Grab a drink and a snack from the clubhouse or take this time to subscribe to the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast on whichever app you're listening to. Don't forget to turn on your notifications so you never miss an episode and leave us a comment and a rating while you're at it. Please and thank you. It's now time for the back nine of the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast, where Ryan returns to bring you your alumni spotlight with men's basketball Hall of Famer Tom Lanier, and then I'll close up shop with our senior spotlight with men's golfer Chris Durth. Stay tuned. All right, Cap fans, in this edition of Forward Capital Crusaders, we're traveling back to the hardwood, to the class of 1989, and we are speaking with alumnus Tom Lanier. Tom, thanks for joining us in the program today, and I want to thank you. hope you that you uh, had a happy holiday, and, you know, you were a member of the men's basketball team at Capital, a member of the Capital Hall of Fame for your performances on the court. But before we get into all of that, I, I kind of want to just take – uh, have you take us through what drew you to Capital first? Where did you come from and how did you land at Capital? Sure. Hey, well, appreciate it, Ryan. Thanks uh, again for thinking of me. And, you know, it's it's hard to believe that uh, 30 years goes by so quickly. Uh, actually, 31 now uh, with this being uh, 2020. So, uh, you know, just uh, it goes by quickly. It goes by really, really fast. But, um, yeah, just going back to that whole process of, um, you know, selecting capital and, and going through um, the options. Um, I was fortunate to, uh, to grow up locally, uh, born in Missouri, and we moved here when I was pretty, lo- pretty young. I was about three years old when we moved to Columbus and uh, grew up in Westerville, Ohio, and um, went to Westerville South High School. So I grew up in the shadow of our biggest rival when I was at Capitol, and that's the Otterbein Cardinals. And uh, so I remember, you know, going to Dick Reynolds' basketball camp and always doing stuff at Otterbein. And as I was going through, um, you know, my basketball career in high school, um, really was looking at wanting to play at the college level. And, and that started to kind of come to fruition in my junior year. By the end of my junior year, I started receiving uh, letters from coaches in the OAC and other uh, small colleges in Ohio. And uh, my senior year, I had a really good senior year. So I got some more interest from um, more schools in Ohio and, and outside of Ohio and 
and uh, then went through that college selection process of visiting schools and, and making my final selection. So what it came down to, it came down to three schools when I was making my final choice uh, back in 1985. So uh, it was uh, Capital with uh, Dave Grube. Um, it was um, Muskingum with uh, Coach Burson, who's a legend in his own right. Uh, and then a uh, school out of um, North Carolina, UNC Greensboro, which at the time was a Division three school, and they were um, talking about you know, transitioning from a Division three school to Division one. By that time, I would have been probably a senior there. <clears throat> so those were the three schools that uh, you know I was considering and, and uh, took a look at, took a real hard look at, and uh, it really came down to Muskingum and Capital in the final uh, stages there. And uh, Coach Grube uh, was was very was an excellent recruiter. Both he and Coach Burson were excellent recruiters, but. Coach Groove really, I think, uh, you know, almost wrote me a letter almost every single day there. Um, and I was getting something from Capital, and it just kept it on the radar. And um, in the end, I uh, got to April about this time of year in April. And um, it was a decision that I made at that point in time to go to Capital and, and join the Crusaders and be a part of the, you know, the Cap family. Well, we certainly are glad you did. That was a lot of postage to be getting a letter every day. There. I'll tell you, you what, that there's... was uh, back in the old school days. You didn't have the social media, didn't have email. I mean, you had to sit down and handwrite those things. And whether it be a postcard or a letter, um, again, he, you know, Coach Groove, that was uh, his strength. He was an excellent communicator and uh, phenomenal recruiter. And how the, how the times change and how we do it and, uh, compared to how we do it today. today. A lot different today. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a, there's a lot of things that have uh, changed over the course of time. But uh, what did you study at Capital? And, and does your dream that you had back when you were a freshman compare to what you're doing today? And, and what is that? That's a great question. Um, so that journey, um, you know, entering my freshman year, I was, I was a young um, senior. So I graduated on 17. I'm a September birthday. So I was kind of young all the way through this thing. And so I kind of went through a couple different iterations of what I wanted to do. Um, leaving high school and uh, you, you know, as a high school senior, you have all these people asking you questions about, hey, what are you going to do? What are you going to study? So you feel a lot of pressure to answer that question. And so the question, if I were asked that back in 85, my, my response was I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a teacher and a coach. And then in my time at Capital, um, you know, the dedication you have to have to be, a, a, you know, a college athlete and, and uh, the time that you have to put into it, um, I kind of moved away from teaching and coaching when I was at Capital and moved to uh, a political science major. So I became a political science major. And then I, um, as I progressed through that piece, I added accounting to that, which is kind of an interesting mix. So I graduated with a degree in political science, a minor in accounting, and then uh, actually um, got a job right out of school with um, uh, doing some accounting work for one of the, with one of the big eight firms. So I did that for about a year and a half, two years, and then uh, realized that uh, I didn't want to hang out in a cubicle uh, all day long and just look at uh, bulk files and numbers and um, went back and, and left that position and uh, went back to school and ended up going to Ohio Dominican and did some assistant coaching there with Ed Genova. And I uh, got my teaching degree in social studies, and then I ended up being a teacher and a coach at Reynoldsburg uh, High School um, once I finished that in 1992. So um, the original dream was to be a teacher and a coach. Uh, that, what did that look like in terms of getting to it for that seven-year process? Uh, went back and forth between some things and ended up being a teacher and a coach. And uh, today, I'm very fortunate and very blessed. Um, this is my 28th year as an educator. And uh, I've, I've gone from the classroom being a teacher, uh, and now I'm uh, actually the principal at Westerville Central High School, 
uh, up there in Westerville, Ohio, and uh, back home, uh, you know, kind of helping out the, the, the kids in Westerville. And uh, just real proud to be a Warhawk right now. Excellent. Well, we, we hope that you keep on funneling us some good future Crusaders. We've got along a few. That way. Hey, we've got a few. Our <laughs> basketball team won the district this year. We've got a couple good ones there that are juniors that uh, we need. I need Damon to take a look at them next year moving forward. Absolutely. That, that is an offline conversation for another time, my friend. <laughs> Coach Goodwin. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. We are here with Tom Lanier, class of 1989 and Hall of Famer, class of 2002 there. And, and so, Tom, let's now get into the athletics piece. Sure. Uh, what made you want to really pursue this? Uh, I know that you played in high school and you said that it really progressed in the latter stages of your high school career. But at the end of the day, what made you say, yeah, I, I want to load my college schedule with athletics and academics and all of those things to make the whole uh, experience complete? Uh, I just love basketball. I mean, I, I uh, lived it, ate it, drank it, sleep, you know, slept. I mean, I was all basketball um, from the time that I was really a, a eighth grader freshman in high school um, through the, you know, you know, leaving college even. Um, that's all I wanted to do. And uh, there was a park uh, down in Westerville. This is before, this is pre-AAU days. So this is before uh, you had everything organized for you. So if you wanted to, to be a good player, you had to go out and work on your own and find those pickup games in the park and that kind of thing. And I was fortunate, again, there was a park near my house, uh, Allen Creek Park, which is kind of in the shadow of Otterbein uh, University there. And um, it was a, a great place to go. Uh, we'd have 40, 50 guys there every single night. You'd have um, you know, college basketball players there uh, from all over the north side. And we'd be down there four or five hours a night, every single night. And I did that, you know, from the time I was a freshman until really until I graduated from Capitol. Um, and so I just love basketball. And I, and I, and I, then I never thought I was going to be good enough to play in college. And, and then, like I said, my junior year, uh, things started to change a little bit. I started to get some information and get some uh, interest from, from uh, uh, the OAC coaches. And um, I was like, well, maybe I, maybe I can play at the college level. And then, uh, again, as I went through that recruiting process, I realized um, that I had an opportunity to, to pursue that when I went to college. And when I made that choice to play with, with uh, at Capital, I loved Capital as a university. It was a great fit for me, um, not just for the sport, but for the, uh, you know, just the campus life and the college uh, itself. Uh, the classroom support I received from my professors when I was there was a perfect fit. And uh, it made it really easy to fit the, uh, the college uh, part of it with the athletic part of it and, uh, you know, it allowed me to pursue um, that college dream I had to play uh, basketball at the college level. So it's one of those things where it just kind of evolved over time. And uh, I just, you know, I, I realized that I was able to at least be a part of the team. And then when I went to Capitol, had the goal of just making the team and trying to be a, a person who could contribute when I got to school there. I wasn't sure how good I was at at that level. And if I could, you know, actually compete, um, I was just happy to be part of the team and happy to, you know, be part of it, um, you know, practicing and, and, and seeing if I could compete enough to, to put myself in a position to play. Well, yeah, you're pretty darn good. I mean, two time, all OAC, two time, all region hall of famer, number three and points scored even today. So yeah, not bad. It ended up okay. Yeah. It ended up okay. <laughs> yeah. It's it, uh, again, it was, I think it's just that perfect fit. You know, I just was in a, a great position that, um, it just, what I, you know, what I was in my skill set fit really well with, uh, both coach Groove and coach security who I played for my last three years. Uh, and then the other thing is, you know, just the teammates that we, that I had, um, uh, we had a special group of guys that were, were at uh, capital from, 
from 85 to 89. Uh, you know, Tim Miller's a, a big name in the, in the record book and Alan Caslin and, and Mike Helfer, uh, who graduated with me in 1989, Rodney Palmer, who graduated in 87. Uh, that was really the nucleus of the, uh, the coach security team, uh, teams from 80, 87 to 89. Um, or 86 to 89. And my freshman year, uh, Shane Bay and Darren Blackford, those guys, uh, Daryl Levert, um, you know, who um, passed away, um, you know, several years ago. Uh, but that senior class really kind of set the tone for my group, um, you know, to kind of uh, see how it's done and how to lead and how to compete and, and play hard in practice and get ready to play and, and compete in games. So, um, you know, again, I could not have been luckier to, than to end up where I ended up in terms of being part of the Cap family. And yeah, I, I wish that we had some game film and we could rerun all of those old broadcasts of you and, and your teammates playing. But since we don't have that readily available, can you tell us a little bit about your game, your style, what you played and and just kind of relive some of those glory days and, and putting the rock down? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was it was interesting because, again, Coach Grube, um, you know, my freshman year was, you know, uh, went in there and, and we had, a, I think, a, a class of 10 guys that came in as freshmen that year. Uh, and again, we, we three of us um, ended up making it all the way to, to our senior year and playing all four years. Um, so his style of play was uh, very much of a motion offense, kind of like that Bobby Knight, Indiana motion, uh, man-to-man, tough, hard-nosed man-to-man defense. Um, and then Coach Security took over the following year. Very similar philosophy, same kind of offensive style. We actually probably pushed a little bit more under Coach Security. We're a little more of a, a transition um, aggressive uh, offense, but really hung our hat on the defensive end. Um, if you look back at those record books, team statistics, uh, we were always at the top of the conference uh, team defense. Uh, and and uh, I think my senior year, um, we were uh, near the top in terms of team defense in the, in the country. Um, you know, we shot the ball real well as, as, as a team. Uh, my, I think my junior year, we were the, the, the number one team in the country, uh, all divisions in terms of free throw percentage. Um, and then, you know, just in terms of, it was interesting, Ryan, because when I started my freshman year, there was no three-point line. That was just when they were starting a three-point line uh, introduction into college. And then my sophomore year, came back my sophomore year, and they put this line out there that was just above the top of the key and, you know, 19 feet, nine inches all the way around. And if you made a shot from there, you got an extra point. And um, we realized and figured out pretty quickly that wasn't that tough of a shot. And uh, we took uh, great advantage of that three-point shot uh, the next three years. So uh, all those things kind of combined together. We, we um, you know, we grew together. You know, our freshman year, we were under 500. My sophomore year, um, we were just over 500. But we went through a transition my sophomore year. Uh, I can still remember the first part of that season, Coach Security's first season, um, was a little rough for us. If you go back and look at those records again, we, we were under 500 going into Christmas break. And uh, if these guys are listening, uh, Caslin and Helfer and Miller and Palmer, uh, those guys will attest to this. We had an epic film session, came back from a high northern on Christmas break, right before Christmas break, came back from a high northern where we didn't really compete real hard, didn't play real well. And we had one of those um, uncomfortable teaching sessions in the film room uh, where we were uh, all kind of called to the carpet. And I think that's one of those great team building and bonding experiences that really led us to uh, coming together as a team. And then uh, we came back from Christmas break and ended up putting together a nice second half run um, to finish out our sophomore year real strong. And that carried into some great momentum our junior and senior year. 
Excellent. Well, this is Tom Lanier, class of 1989, Hall of Fame class at Capital of 2002. And Tom, you know, you, you scored 1,571 career points, which at the time grad- graduated you number two all time. Uh, you sit at number three right now, and that was a, a really good piece on your resume to get you into the hall of fame so can you take us back to 2002 when you got that call you know what that meant to you and and maybe something that you remember from induction night sure yeah absolutely um first of all totally unexpected um you know only being out for since 1989 to have that call made in 2002 um it was not on my radar and and um i was blown away and just um very humbled uh, by the honor and and by being included uh, in that Hall of Fame. Um, back before the Cap Center was built, um, the alumni uh, gym, uh, there was a Hall of Fame room, and that was kind of our basketball meeting room. And so all the pictures that you see um, in the Cap Center along the wall, those pictures were all inside the Hall of Fame room. And so we gathered um, as, as a basketball team for meetings in that room. And I, I remember distinctly looking at those pictures um, and, and just being in awe of, of uh, what the, uh, those folks had contributed to the capital legacy. And, um, you know, more than that, I looked at them as like, those are really old people. Well, now I look at it like, wow, I'm, I'm, my black and white picture's up there too. And I'm sure the kids that are going walking through Cap Center are like, who's that old guy um, <laughs> back from uh, back in the day? But uh, again, just very humbled to be part, you know, to be, you know, part of this, the, that class. And, um, you know, that evening, uh, I still remember just kind of going in with some of the other folks that were there and the speeches that were made and, and really, um, you know, just again, being humbled by, um, the remarks that were made by Dixie Jeffers and, and, uh, David Goodwin and, and the folks that kind of helped me, uh, um, you know, support my nomination to that hall of fame. So, uh, I think the biggest word again, is just very, very humble. Well, we're glad to have you in there. I'm sure it was a very memorable night and, you know, you talk about, you know, kind of, you know, the legacy and, and being the guy that when, you know, the, they see your picture up there, uh, there's two young men that you have groomed and I've had the pleasure of being able to work with them as students at Capital. But you have two sons that now go, one that graduated from Capital, one that currently goes to Capital. And that's like the, the fatherhood trifecta. You know, they love athletics. They love basketball. They went to Cap. These are all things that you loved. And then they turn out to be great people. So a total dad win on your part. Just talk about um, helping your sons navigate that college selection process and and ultimately how they chose to be members of the cap fam as well absolutely well i tell you what um uh, it's a testament to their mother uh in terms of them (laughs) turning out the way they've turned out smart Uh, man uh, smart man (laughs) (laughs) uh very blessed there for sure and uh and you know here's the thing that's kind of ironic so brian my my um you know who just graduated in, in 2018 uh, Matthew's the, uh, he's a junior there now and, and God bless you. Thank you for all you've done for them in terms of giving them a job and, and letting them work in the athletic department while they're there to earn a little bit of money. That's helped us on, on our end of it. But, uh, poor Brian's journey was a little different. He, uh, he actually made a different choice. I'm not sure if you knew this or not, but he uh, made a different choice coming out of, out of high school at Pickerington North. Um, and I still remember this, this is one of those distinct memories, we were uh, getting to that point in time where, you know, he was a very uh, good cross country runner, distance runner at Pickerington North. And he was considering running at the collegiate level. So he was looking at Otterbein and at Capitol. And uh, I think it was May 1st, maybe. I mean, it was like the deadline when you had to make your decision for housing, for uh, where you're going to go to school. And, and my wife and I sat down and 
like, you know, Brian, come on. It's, you know, this is the day we need a decision. And uh, he threw out the word, I'm, I'm going to go to Otterbein. And, and I looked at my wife and I just, I didn't say a word. I said, okay, <laughs> all right, that's okay. I'm like, oh, that's kind of ironic. You know, I went to Capitol and grew up in Westerville, left Otterbein. And here you are, you want to go to Otterbein. Okay, great. So uh, we supported that. And he went to Otterbein for a semester and decided that he did not want to go to Otterbein anymore and uh, transferred to Capitol. And uh, he said that was the best thing he ever did in his life was to transfer to Capitol. And uh, he had a great experience in his four years there um, and then has been very successful when he's left Capitol in his current position with the um, Dispatch Media Group, uh, which is just um, um, taken over by Gannett uh, Printing. So he's doing great. And then Matthew is a junior there and uh, just changed his major to business and working in the sports administration department over there. And, and um what draws us to capital and what drew me to capital and what draw my, drew my boys to capital again, is just, it's the campus, it's the professors, it's the people who are there um, that really just makes you feel like you're part of something, like you're part of something uh, that's very supportive and, and you, and you're, you know, they're giving you everything you need to be successful. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time just obviously coaching and teaching. I actually coached with Damon Goodwin in the mid nineties as an assistant there, uh, which was a great experience worked a lot of capital basketball camps, you know, Matthew and Kevin, my youngest one went to capital basketball camps with Damon and, and, um, and Brian did too, uh, with, um, um, so we've had just a lot of time on capitals campus. So I think the boys felt very comfortable with capital as a place for them to go. And I think, I think they really saw themselves going there and being successful. Um, but as a dad, I want them to have their own experience and have their own legacy. And I wanted them to kind of have their own, own thing at Capitol. So I've kind of been, I've stayed in the woodwork and stayed behind the scenes and let them do their own thing. Well, we're incredibly happy that they all chose Capitol just like you did. And uh, so being that, you know, if you gave them some advice that maybe you could share with another younger person, whether it's athletic, professional or otherwise, what would that be? Uh, just basically trust your gut, you know, follow your gut. I know uh, when I visited Capitol, my gut was telling me this is the place to be. Um, my gut tell was telling me to, to be a teacher and a coach. And then I kind of let some other things sway me and push me in a different direction. But uh, you got to find that place where you feel, uh, feel good about it. You feel comfortable about it. And that's, you know, that's going to be best for you. Uh, and the same thing as you're making your decisions about what you want to do in your life, you know, just really, your gut will tell you um, there's a lot of push and pull about things that are important uh, that when we, you know, in the grand scheme of things, when you get to uh, my age, you look back, you're like, mm, that wasn't really all that important. What's really important uh, are the people. It's the family, uh, your own family and the family that you meet and that you make when you're um, at Capitol. Uh, those are the things that you remember the most, uh, more so than, than anything else you may do. It's the people you're around, the people you meet. Uh, surround yourself with people that are going to make you a better person and uh, you can't go wrong. Well, we certainly appreciate those wise words and your time here today, Tom. This has been Tom Lanier, class of 1989, Hall of Famer from the class of 2002. And the resume includes two All-OEC selections, two All-Region selections, two Academic All-OEC selections, uh, over 1,500 career points, which is number three here at Capitol, and an NCAA tournament run in 1989 after a highly successful 20-win season. Thank you for the memories. Thank you for the time. We can't thank you enough for joining us today, Tom, and, and also uh, for everything that you uh, continue to do for Columbus area and education. I know t uh, this is a tough time right now for all of us, but uh, your work and uh, your legacy is certainly appreciated. And, uh, yeah, we wish you the best in everything that's to come.
Hey, Ryan, I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for uh, letting an old guy uh, reminisce for a little bit. (laughs) We appreciate the stories as well. It's fun to hear some of those things that we didn't get to see firsthand, but uh, we certainly get to experience even second or third hand. So thank you for those. This has been Clear, class of 1989, Hall of Famer of the class of 2002, as we move along in this edition of Forward Capital Crusaders. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our senior spotlight. Joining us today is senior men's golfer Chris Durth from Dublin, Ohio. Chris, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right, well, we're gonna get uh, we're gonna jump right into it. Uh, so, how are classes going and the the online learning stuff going for you? I know it's probably a little weird. Uh, classes are going good. It is slightly an overwhelming adjustment to go from like going to class every day to having to log into your computer and really stay on top of things. It's hard to manage, but I mean, doing a pretty good job. Yeah, so we've got your senior year, you know, you're, you're wrapping things up and your, your major is criminology. That's a pretty interesting thing you've got going there. How did you uh, come about choosing that? So I went to Columbus State for two years and I really just kind of bounced around. Like I wasn't really committed to anything while I was there. I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I decided on criminology just basic off of like what I found interesting, I found like crime always been interesting and stuff like that. I always watched like crime TV shows and stuff. And I was like, you know, I think that actually be really cool to study. So I talked to Dr. Kadaris here at Capitol when I first visited and I decided on criminology. Very cool. So what are your plans to do with it? Uh, I'm planning on right now after this COVID stuff is done to talk to a FBI agent about my options for when I'm done here at Capitol. And hopefully that will take off and that will be what I'm doing. I really like, would love to go into the FBI. I went to the ATF seminar here at Capitol as well and just really been interested in being a federal agent. That's awesome. So you mentioned that you started your career at uh, Columbus State. So what made you uh, make the change over here at Capitol? So my brother actually went here. He graduated two years ago and I had played golf with my older brother like my entire life. And I decided to transfer from Columbus State. We got, it was a good run at Columbus State. So I transferred here and decided to further my college golf career after getting second at uh, the National Junior College Division Three national championship in new york and i just decided to jump the capital because he was here and it's been the the big process (laughs) i'm sure that's that's quite the jump yeah i uh so i talked to your coach recently and he did not have a bad thing to say about you uh one of the things that he hit home really was your work ethic um he said you were you know the first one to practice the last one to leave uh where did that mindset come from like how did you develop that Um, I would say just like, I don't know if it's just the way I was raised, I guess. I mean, if you're going to do something, you put a hundred percent into it and just try your hardest. I mean, it's the same aspect for school, like do your best in every aspect and do the best you can and whatever you can and forever or for whoever you can, excuse me. Um, I mean, I just really loved golf like my whole life and just if I'm not going to be putting a hundred percent into something and having fun with it, then why do it? You know? So 
really my grandpa kind of pushed that onto me, which was like just work hard. And if you're enjoying what you're doing, you're not going to be working. It's just going to be a grind. And golf is just such a grinding sport and it takes a hundred percent commitment every time you tee it up. So really just having a grinding mentality. And I think that's one of the things that I'm proud of myself on, especially these last two years is just getting through stuff that was going on and just grinding 100%. And even if I started bad, just not giving up on it. That's great. Yeah. One of the, being a golfer myself, I can, I can relate a little bit, not quite to your level, but you know, perseverance really is key when you're playing golf. That's for sure. Oh yeah. So you mentioned your grandpa kind of giving you influence, you know, with uh, your work ethic and whatnot. Did, uh, did that translate to golf too? How long have you been playing golf? I've been playing golf actually since I was like five. I've been playing competitive golf since I was probably eight or 10. And just, it really pushed on the fact just hard work means more than anything. I mean, you can be not as lucky, but if you're working hard, then it's going to show in anything. I mean, golf is obviously a game of luck sometimes too, just luck at the draw and a bounce or whatever. But as long as you're working hard and you're putting a hundred percent into it mentally and physically and, it's just going to pay off in the end. Yeah, that's, that's very true. You know, I was also talking to your coach and I hear that you have kind of an unorthodox swing. Um, like I said, being a golfer myself, you know, that no two golf swings are the same, but uh, how did you develop yours? Um, I would say it's honestly just a year of mistakes. and just <laughs> like my swing just progressively got uglier. So <laughs> I'm just kind of rocking it though. It's, it's working and why change it if it's not broken, you know? So I've tried to fix my swing so many times. And I mean, coach Garcia has tried to help me so many times. And even when we had an assistant coach, uh, Parker McComb tried to help me fix it. And like, it's gotten better over the years. It's not perfect, but I mean, I'm still gripping and ripping it. So. Hey, and that's all that matters. If, if it works, it works. I mean, you look at guys like, Jim Furyk, you know, their swing definitely does not look pretty, but hey, it gets it done. Oh, it definitely does. <laughs> so, you know, you've been here at Capital for uh, two years or so. Yep. Um, what is really one thing that you're always going to remember from your time with Capital Golf? You know, is there just one great moment that you'll just never forget? Oh, there's so many great moments that I will probably never forget for the rest of my life, but I mean, all the trips that we've taken have just been so memorable and just hanging out with the guys like during those trips and just really bonding and getting to know the guys and on and off the course. Like, I'd say that we're probably the tightest team that we've been right now. We got six new freshmen and it was like we've known these kids forever. Like they just meshed in so well and they're all extremely talented guys. Uh, I would say just moments that stick out are just after the rounds you just talk about your like almost every round really just when you're done with your round just talking about what happened what you did on certain holes and just laughing about mistakes that you made or whatever and just really the grinding process just there's so many memories it's probably hard to narrow it down to one yeah it's it's really is something else to be be a part of a team especially a close-knit team like like a golf team you know you're walking around for six hours during a round and you can't help but talk to each other. Um, right. That's right. Yeah. 
so you guys, you know, you've, you've had a lot of success here in, in your career, you know, is there maybe one tournament that you just kind of remember it all kind of coming together for you guys? Um, I would say that there's been some tournaments that we definitely just pulled together. We may have one bad day and I believe it was last year's championships. We kind of didn't have the best first day. And then the second day we just really pulled it together and finished really strong as a team. And I was like extremely proud of us for that. Like we played really well the second day. Actually, I believe that was in the fall. Yeah. I think that was in the fall. Even our B team, like we really played well the second day and I was just proud of us for that. And I mean, something that's going to stick out to me, I mean, probably that. And then we took a trip to Michigan. We didn't play the best, but as an aspect of memories, just that was a great trip. And just I'll never forget it. The way that we played was awesome in the practice round. And like we had a lot of fun at the house and stuff after and before the rounds. But I would say definitely last fall our second day there we really pulled it together mentally and grinded out as a team that's great you mentioned the b team you know you've got a lot of young guys on the on the squad here and you are one of three seniors the kind of the veteran group that's graduating you know what does uh what do you see for the the future of capital golf with all these young guys uh i see them definitely winning a championship here soon definitely oacs for sure uh, these six new freshmen are all great players. They're all solid. They're all great dudes. Uh, I really see them going far, honestly. They put in a lot of work. Uh, just hoping that they stick to it, you know, as college gets harder and harder and you're still trying to play golf. But I definitely see them going a long way. They're all extremely talented guys and they're all really hard workers. So I just feel like that they're going to succeed and hopefully surpass our expectations. That's fantastic. Well, hey, Chris, thank you so much for joining us on this senior spotlight. Uh, you know, obviously it was not the season end that we all anticipated, but luckily with golf being a sport, you can play forever. The end is definitely yet to come for you. Oh yeah. I plan on playing golf for as long as I can walk. So <laughs> thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, this has been men's golfer Chris Durth from Hilliard, Ohio. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for our senior spotlight on Forward Capital Crusaders. It's time to turn in the scorecard for this episode of Forward Capital Crusaders. We hope you enjoyed it and come back for more. New episodes launch every Tuesday morning, so subscribe and turn on your notifications so that you never miss a show. And leave a comment to let us know what you think. Next week begins National Nurses Week. In this time, there are fewer more important people in our world, so we're going to talk to a few capital students getting some incredibly unique on-the-job training and serving our community during this trying time. We'll also talk to Cat Track alum and traveling nurse Eric Barenwald to get his insight into the situation and his path to get to where he is, which right now is in Reno, Nevada. We'll also check in with Stacy Florence, head coach of the Women's Lacrosse Program at Capitol. Until next time, Cat fan, let's keep moving forward. I'm Ray Delgado. Thanks for tuning in to Forward Capital Crusaders.